everybody. Welcome to City Girls Pod. And this is a show where we like to talk about all things sex in the city. And we are continuing on our coverage of the Carrie Diaries. We are in today, season one, episodes eight and nine. I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Jax is here. Hi, Rachel. It's Valentine's Day week and we're in red. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you had a good Super Bowl uh, weekend. Yeah, I think it was about the same as yours as far as you and I didn't watch the game. (laughs) (laughs) We were watching other TV shows. Yes, that is correct. (laughs) I was busy, busy watching this, watching uh, watching other stuff and dropped a diva, uh, which is such a great show. I love that show so much. And uh, and uh, we're going to I'm going to be recapping uh, season four with uh, Jasmine this week. Uh, so that that had to take priority over the game because usually the the actual football game the super bowl is super boring like it's it's usually not a good game every once in a while but not normally (laughs) yeah this year was an actual like good story oh yeah that's good yeah like it was i mean i wasn't watching but i was getting updates from my family group text okay (laughs) very good well, I do like the two brothers were playing each other and then their mom like hugged them both after the game. I did watch that. I, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm feeling the feels. I like the storytelling of it. Yeah, that, that, I, I did see that on social media. Yes. So that's cool yeah. that, that they uh, were able to, uh, to make it a fun event <laughs> for their mom. Uh, and Rachel and I will <laughs> be, be stressful. Sports- yeah, I know. Rachel, I guess we'll start a sports podcast after this. And yeah. Yeah, because it's not that I necessarily hate sports. I'm not like one of those people. No, I just don't have time for it. Yeah, I love it takes being a lot a part of time. Of yeah. Oh, it's a lot. It's like I love being a part of something that's bigger than myself. And I like being like in my family's group text about it, but I would just rather feel a part of it, but not actually have to engage with it too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Agreed. Uh, so today we're talking about episodes eight and nine. So we're getting, we're nearing the, we're getting there. We're getting close. We've got a couple episodes left of uh, this uh, season. Uh, but what did you, uh, I guess I'll read the summary just a sec. So, okay. So the, this episode, the first episode we're talking about is episode eight, Hush Hush. A school lock-in uh, provides a perfect cover for a night out in Manhattan with Larissa and Carrie's interview co-workers until a surprising encounter turns her night upside down. And this episode, interestingly enough, directed by Amy Heckerling uh, of Clueless fame. Uh, so that's interesting. I thought this one was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked this episode. I thought it was uh, pretty good, pretty well done. I, I think that part of the problem, I think, with this show a little bit is that they are having to adapt everything from a mature, fairly strong R-rated show into a, uh, into a network show yeah. for teenagers. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. Like, I do not believe that nobody in this bar would question Carrie that she's she does not look 21 no and so that she's getting drinks she's at, I mean I I just like obviously they wanted to, to 
bring in the cosmopolitan as a like easter egg from the show i understand that but it doesn't make sense that nobody would question her well i'm curious as to what it was like in the 80s as far as like were they really cracking down on underage people being in bars because like in our time it's unfathomable yeah. that that she wouldn't get carded mm-hmm. um I did look and there was, uh, I, I should have had it open because I did look to see, uh, if the, what the laws were. And it was, there was, it was 21 was, that was a thing in 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, but yeah, as far as like how much they were cracking down, I just think that it's unrealistic that nobody would question it. Nobody would be like, what are, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> on a- <laughs> So young. And yeah. I did like the Cosmopolitan though. And I love that we get to see that it's, we have Manola Blahniks and it's like the, yeah. the beginnings of how Carrie um, became the Carrie Bradshaw that we know love. And, and sometimes she gets on our nerves. Yeah. I mean, it, it was fun, but also I, I think it does spell to why they had some problems with the show. And I think that, <clears throat> that also even just in their audience, like trying to get the audience of sex in the city to be interested in this teenage show, I think was hard because it's just such a different audience. I think that's a really good point that it would be interesting to sort of be in the room when this was getting pitched and being like, okay, cool. But who is our audience and Mm -hmm. why will they care? And is it, are you hoping to get a whole new audience of young women and and men too, if that's who you're going to, but I think it's mostly geared towards women, a whole new audience, or you're hoping to get a lot of the sex in the city people. But then if so, like, I I think there, you're right. There was some misfiring on who this show was actually for, even though I think it's such a great show in terms of storytelling and acting, but actually knowing how to market it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it was hard to find its, its audience because It was just kind of like, who is this exactly made for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this episode, we've got this lock-in. And did you ever have anything like that? Do anything like this no, in I your high school? You. Did you? We did one time. Uh, we did. This is so ridiculous. My choir did what we called a rockathon, where we were. We literally were. We brought um, like rockers you know, like chairs, uh, oh my gosh. Rocking chairs, rocking chairs. And, uh, it was, and we, uh, like, you'd think that we would want to like run a race or like do something that's actually an accomplishment uh, to, yeah. as a fundraiser. No, no, we, uh, we rocked in, uh, in rocky chairs. <laughs> you rocked. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we stayed the whole night, I think, but it was, it was like a late stay or something like that. That's the closest Wait, you- I can think of brought chairs yeah back and forth in them yeah which is absurd it's ridiculous why why would somebody want to fight like why didn't we just collect donations like instead of doing that but we did (laughs) did. I mean it's actually an amazing weird story to tell years (laughs) later it's not a -a dance-a-thon it's not a -a read-a-thon I love a -a (laughs) read-a-thon but no you guys were rocking you guys were and not singing or dancing to rock music you're in a rocking chair yeah ridiculous um I mean I guess the other thing I think of is we had like after prom parties 
Oh yeah. Uh, and that, and things like that. And cause the, the whole idea was, is that you don't want people going out and you know, drinking and stuff like that after, after prom. So they would have the after prom party, you know, to try to have some fun for the, for the yeah. teens. I never went to any of those because all of our after prom parties were out the bush was like in the woods drinking and actually my sister (laughs) and I both got left at the prom by our dates who went out the bush drinking and our dad had to pick us up. Oh really? Yeah oh yeah because I was like president of students against drunk driving and like I was very yeah like I didn't get I wouldn't have gone but I definitely didn't get invited either. Yeah, I I actually never went to prom. I I mean, I say that that I just know that was an event because uh, I did go to homecoming and winter formal, but uh, I got appendicitis uh, and was missed my prom because I was a uh, junior prom because I was having my appendix taken out. <laughs> did you did yours burst or did you get no? It, it was before it was before it burst, but it was looking uh, pretty close. I, I started having in my junior year of high school, I started having these incredible stomach pains. I could barely walk. And, uh, and so I actually basically dropped out of high school that year. I, I got a, um, a tutor and, uh, and everything and, and, uh, they could not figure out cause it's hard to diagnose, uh, yes. appendicitis. So they, they could not figure it out. And, uh, they thought, oh, they kept saying like, oh, you're just cramping, like menstrual cramping. And I'm like, no, that's not like, it. I like, don't think so. yeah, I'm like, I'm 17. I'm not an idiot. And, <laughs> uh, so they did laparoscopic surgery, which is such a, an incredible miracle laparoscopic surgery. I mean, things that would have, uh, caused, uh, you know, way more recovery and make it way harder in the past, what they basically do is they, they, uh, they put two tiny little, uh, slits, slits in wherever they're going. And then they, uh, they have a camera and then they have a, a laser. <laughs> Not that everybody wants to know about my, my medical things, I mean, but, I am curious. but they, yeah, they put like a, a little laser and they go in and they, they, they put air in your abdomen or wherever it is that they're doing yeah. laparoscopic, they put air in and then they're able to go in and do whatever they need to do. And <laughs> I, I went in to the surgery. I didn't know what they were going to find, what they were going to do. It was like explorative surgery is what they called it. And, uh, I, I woke up after, and, uh, I was like, what did you do to me? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. What did you do? And he was like, the doctor's like, your, your pedics looked green. That's what he said. Oh my gosh, Rachel. Yeah. That, I love that you're walking around in an insane amount of pain. They're like, I think it's cramps. I think yeah. it's cramps. Yeah. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a good lesson for me because I had, I learned at an early age that you have to be your own advocate of your health. Yes. You have to, uh, you, you can't just sort of accept what the doctors are saying. You have to, if you're, if you're not feeling well, you have to, uh, you have to advocate for yourself. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. 
Everyone be careful about appendix stuff. My best friend, Russell, his first when he was nine and they didn't even know after it burst, he was like an hour away from dying. Oh my and gosh. he's okay now. He's doing great performing in Titanic off Broadway for anyone who wants oh. to go. Hearing that happen to you, Rachel, just makes me be like, oh my gosh, two people I love so much had <laughs> appendix issues. PSA, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Ho, ho, ho. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcasts, especially at Christmas? Do you enjoy the holiday previews, recaps, interviews, and bonus episodes? If the answer is yes, please consider supporting the Hallmarkies Patreon. We need your help to do what we do both during the Christmas season and all year round. But not only do you help a podcast led by strong, independent women by becoming a Patreon, you get to become a part of the Hallmarkies family. Starting at only $2 a month as a patron, you will have access to our Facebook Patreon group where we talk about the movies, shows, and more all year. We also have many monthly patron watch-alongs with guests like Lacey Chabert, Natalie Hall, Paul Campbell, Mary Lou Henner, and more, giving their behind-the-scenes details of their films. As a patron, you also have the chance to provide input into the podcast and even join us at different tiers. So this Christmas season, spread some cheer to the Hallmarkies Patreon and become a member today. You won't regret it. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies to learn more. That's patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. Uh, so anyway, yeah, this lock-in uh, is basically a chance for Carrie to go to this club they're having this party for the interview people and she has her first cosmopolitan at the at the bar and she also there's this guy who comes on to her uh, and pretty creepy yes creepy greasy no yeah and yeah I, I don't know if they're trying if they were trying to make that be like if, if they were trying to make that look cool or if they were, if they knew that it was creepy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Honestly, I feel like he was just sort of a vehicle to buy our cosmopolitan. Like I yeah. think, yeah, I mean, or maybe there was some sort of intention there, but the fact that we don't see him again and it was kind of a nothing interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just, I, I just felt like it was sort of emblematic of them trying to wedge sex in the city into this show. And it, it just doesn't quite work because you're dealing with teenagers. You're right. It would have even been fun, at least I think, rather than introducing creepy guy to just have Larissa, who does think Carrie's 21, introduce her to the Cosmopolitan. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I don't, we didn't need that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't drink. So I was just kind of curious. So I looked up the, uh, the recipe for Cosmopolitan. Um, and it has, according to uh, the internet, it has 1.5 ounces of vodka, six ounces, 0.6 ounces of contru, which is like an orange liqueur. It's a triple sec, evidently. Uh, and then cranberry juice uh, and, and lime. And then you make mix it. So there we go. That's so, to the best of my recollection, I've never had a cosmopolitan, but I think yeah, they sound very strong. Like I've had a martini, yeah. but well, and I, I think that would have been an actually the way to go to have her not like it because from what right. I've under what I understand about 
alcohol again, never drinking it in my life. Uh, it's kind of an acquired taste. Like you, the, you, you have to kind of build up your taste buds for it, especially yeah, something exactly. as strong as like hard liqueur, you know, uh, that I think that, that. I, I think that would have been a better kind of even more funny, more interesting kind of way to go is to have her take a drink and be like, Ooh, yuck. Don't like right, that. right. Oh, I'll never like these kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That would have been funny it. if she had. Yeah. I, I'm never gonna like those. That would yeah, have been better. You're right. There's a like even like something like a mimosa, which is champagne and orange juice, that tastes like really like light and fun. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's something with a lot of hard liquor in it. Yeah, like if it was uh like a daiquiri or something like that, which covers, I'm told right. covers a lot of that alcohol taste. Yes. Uh, that, uh, then that would have maybe been one thing, but I don't know. I think that could have been funnier, Yeah. but, uh, but we do have Carrie getting her first Manola Blahnik shoes in, uh, in this episode. And, uh, and that was fun. That was more successful than the Cosmo. I thought it was a really magical moment too, because we see that it's, I actually thought this was really sort of like moving in a way because we see that it's not just about the physical thing in the shoes it's about her excitement of it being tied to being in a world that she's so grateful to be a part of her hopes her dreams and also as a way to forget about guy drama so we sort of see in Carrie Bradshaw's psyche how her obsession with shoes is being formed so I thought and also they were just a really cute pair of shoes Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I liked her dress. She was in that, like she was in a pink, uh, over off the shoulder dress, uh, with a long one long sleeve, very sparkly. I love sparkle. Yes. I'm, I'm a big sucker for it. <laughs> oh, I agree. And I mean, honestly, consistently the fashion in this show just blows me away. I, yeah. think, I think they're doing a good job on this show of, of it's not really all that. I don't think accurate to the 1980s. But it's very like it's very 1980s filtered through 2000 and and the 2010s. That's a great way to describe it. And yeah, fun and light, bright. I'm I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying it. Yeah, because you don't have like let's say like the big puffy sleeves or mm-hmm. the big high hair that you had in the 80s or things like that uh, that uh, that you would see certainly at a lock-in or at a you know a formal dance or those kinds of things you would see those looks uh, mm-hmm. it's very uh, very kind of clean and uh, and inspired by 80s which I think is actually effective I like it yeah I agree mm-hmm because it doesn't and, take over the show that we're like, oh gosh, these 80s fashions. I, it mm-hmm. actually like does, I think what it's meant to do, which is like highlight it, but not have it be distracting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we also have the dad going on basically a date with a double date with this friend. I forget his name, the friend's name, but anyways, on this, it goes on this double date. Yeah, what is that friend's name? I don't know it, but he's obnoxious, but also weirdly lovable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and they they have a toast to low expectations, which I think is probably healthy for a date. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and uh, so then the dad ends up going to the same club that uh, that 
uh, Carrie's going to. And I feel like that the dad would do a little bit more homework as far as what Carrie's doing. Like, because it, it's not just that she's, uh, that she's not going to the internship, but she's spending all this time in the city. I, I feel like, I feel like he would be asking more questions than he does. Question for you just about logistics. How many days a week is this internship? Yeah, I wonder about that too. And I it seems like she's like missing school too. Yeah, what I thought at one point, and then we find out in the next episode because Sebastian's like, oh, it's, it's you know nice to see you in school. But for a little while, I thought it was only one day a week. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, it seems like it's more. I, I'm, I haven't figured yeah, it out. Yeah, I mean, but then she goes to that whole Halloween party in the, in the city. She's spending all this time in the city. And uh, I don't know, I just feel like he would be asking more questions about his daughter <laughs> yes yes but nevertheless uh they end up at the same club and uh <laughs> he's dancing yeah uh have you ever have you ever played that kind of game of trying to get into the, the clubs and waiting in those lines and other things like that in um in new york um, so not when i was under age but for my sure. maybe like 28th birthday yeah, I think it was my 28th, my cousins and my sister, we waited in this long line and the guy that I was dating was working at the, cl- it wasn't at night. It was during the day for like a big brunch, but it was like a club. And we got like to the front of the line and we were all wearing like maxi dresses and everyone was in like leather pants and stuff. And they were just like, no. <laughs> That's funny. And we were just like, and we were, keep in mind, we were like 28 at the time and we all felt like too old for the clientele there. It's, it was very young. It was like mm-hmm. 21. So that was the only, like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was not, it was not, I, we have a photo from that day and we all just look at it and we're like, we looked nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It was yeah. swing and a miss. Yeah. <laughs> that would definitely be me. <laughs> Yeah, I should take you and then we'll like get there. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's one of those things where like, it's so humiliating, but the fact that it was all of us was also kind of funny, you yeah. know? Well, so Larissa finds out that Carrie is 16 finally. And I would think that she would be more kind of upset and shocked. What I thought would have been funny is I liked the reaction. She was like, oh, you're fresh face and I have the youngest intern because that's like a funny thing. But I wish I wish there was the quick thing that passed before like, oh my gosh, I tried to give you alcohol. Oh my gosh, I whatever. And then like, but yeah. this is great. You can still intern for me. Like it could have been, it could have ended the same place, but her realizing like, oh my gosh, I've been exposing this 16 year old to very adult situations. Yeah. I mean, and no wonder that the dad then doesn't want her to do the internship when yeah. it's she's he meets her and and her employer in this bar like they I think that if Carrie had just come to him and said hey I got this opportunity to do this internship here's all the things about it then I can't imagine that he would have had a problem with that but now he's like this is some kind of cesspool of of uh, that people don't care about my teenage daughter yeah I can't trust this woman yeah so the secret's finally out and uh i i i can completely understand why the dad freaks out because i did love who wouldn't you was that who wouldn't uh, be upset 
100%. Like, if he wasn't upset, he wouldn't be a very good dad. Yeah. Um, and I really like her dad's character. I think he's very likable. But mm-hmm. we see that visual of Carrie looking adorable, but shell-shocked. And all the images of Carrie are behind her because it's, like, projected on a screen. That's really funny. It's a really good, yeah. like, sight gag. Yeah, yeah. That was good. That was good. And uh, then it as it goes, Carrie's uh, dad says, say goodbye to that life. And then she says, uh, you can't stop me from wanting it. Uh, and again, if she had just presented it as this opportunity, because uh, that's the thing about like being a freelancer, which is basically what Carrie is. is uh, I mean, there's a little bit where she works for Vogue or things like that, but uh, most of the time it seems like she's a freelancer with her with her writing is that there's always kind of the next gig that you have to be prepared for. That's like the, uh, and you know this too, as an actress and, and other things that you do is that you can't, you just can't get comfortable too long. You know, yeah. it's kind of like an example of, I worked so hard to get the relationship with Hallmark Publishing and to, to have them sponsor the podcast a couple of, a couple of times. And I was so excited about that. And, and then now they're, they're, they're uh, closing down. So you just have to hope that, uh, that sort of the relationships that you made, uh, in, in that contact and that experience will then help you to the next experience and, and people that I became friends with and working with them that maybe in their next job that they'll think of us and, and, you know, but you just constantly kind of have to be continually think about the next opportunity. Yeah. 100%. And it, it feels like Carrie has a really entrepreneurial spirit and she is mm-hmm. such a go-getter, but she's just got to figure out how she doesn't ruin her life in the process. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, yeah. I'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the good folks over at Baker Publishing Group. Looking for the perfect read for Valentine's Day? These historical romance novels will woo their way into your hearts. First up, we have The Maid of Bali Makul by Jennifer Dybell. The only home Brianna Kelly has ever known is Bali Makul boarding school. But when the son of local gentry arrives at the school to deal with his unruly niece, an unexpected discovery uncovers the truth about her past and the key to her future. The Rose and the Thistle by Laura France. Amid the Jacobite uprising of 1715, an English heiress flees to the Scottish lowlands to stay with allies of her powerful family. But while castle walls may protect her from the enemy outside, a whirlwind of intrigue, shifting allegiances, and temptations of the heart lie within. Hearts of Steel by Elizabeth Camden When successful businesswoman Maggie Molinaro offends a corrupt banker, she unwittingly sets off a series of calamities that threaten to destroy her life's work. She teams up with charismatic steel magnate Liam Blackstone, but what begins as a practical alliance soon evolves into a romance between two wounded people determined to beat the odds. Then last up is The Last Chance Cowboy by Jody Headland. When midwife Catherine Remington is accused of a murder she didn't commit, she flees to Colorado to honor a patient's dying wish to deliver a newborn to his father. But what she doesn't bargain for is how easily she'll fall for the charming sheriff or how quickly her past will catch up with her and put their love and their and lives in danger. 
Listeners of Hallmarkies Podcast can get these and many other great books by going to bakerbookhouse.com slash featured slash Hallmarkies. And from February 12th to 28th, save 40% using code Valentine's 40. That's bakerbookhouse.com slash featured slash Hallmarkies promo code Valentine's 40. Yeah. And, uh, and so we also have, uh, that we have Maggie, uh, that she's just about to tell Walt about, uh, Simon, Simon, I think. Yeah. Simon. And, uh, and then Donna, uh, Donna and Sebastian break up. She plays it pretty cool, but then she tells Walt, uh, about, uh, about, uh, Simon and Maggie. So that thing all blows up during the lock-in. Yeah, it, it was hard to watch. I feel bad for Maggie. I feel bad for Waltz. Like it's just the whole thing. Um, Maggie was really looking for every excuse not to tell him though, which I get, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing to say, but she's got to know that Donna's going to tell him. And that's, that's the thing. Like we've all done things we're not proud of that are hard to tell the other person, but sometimes you have a little leeway because you're like, well, they won't find out, but you know, that Donna's going to tell him she's not very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, but she actually is, uh, softened quite a bit in these two episodes. Donna. Uh, in the second episode, Rachel. Oh my gosh. I was <laughs> yeah. like, Donna kind of has my heart a little bit now, but in this first episode of, of this duo of episodes, I was yeah. like, yeah, so she is uh, is manipulating and blackmailing uh, Maggie, and and so obviously that's going to make her an unlikable character. Uh, but she does seem to have genuine chemistry with Walt. Yeah, she actually does. And even when they were kissing, I was like, okay, like I still think. I mean, and then we learn more in the second episode, but there is something about Donna that Walt is attracted to, even if it's just the fact that she's telling him the truth about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in the next episode, he says like, she's actually pretty cool. Yeah. So I appreciate that, that there's like some nuance because you can have a, a mean girl, you know, character in a movie. I think if you're having a show, like you have to have some nuance to characters. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like a a sort of one-dimensional mean girl is only going to work for like a 90 minute movie. But if we're going to get invested in these characters, we have to, there has to be some heart to all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked the interaction between Sebastian and Donna too. I thought that was well done. I did too. And he, oh my gosh, Austin Butler, he, I mean, he just oozes charisma. Yeah. Like, and when he's sort of looking at her like, yeah, I'll, we can tell people that you broke up with me. It's totally fine. Well, and also the one thing though I have to say about, about uh, Sebastian is that every time that his first appearance on screen in the show, they always lower the frame rate. And it, so it becomes kind of this slow, little slow motion kind of like, and I feel like, okay, you need to stop doing that on the show because- <laughs> It's of course the first time that you talk about the character, but we need him to be like a real character. Like I understand he's a dreamboat and I understand doing that, but, uh, but he needs to be like a real person and not just a heartthrob. (laughs) And also I feel like he's just got this look down pat where he does this little like eye smoldering lips and he's like, 
like this knowing look and I'm like <laughs> oh man and I'm really shocked that he wasn't more of a teen heartthrob that it, he wasn't sort of the breakout of the show because he is so dreamy me too like that's not even my type of guy like at all and uh-huh. I just think there, there's a vulnerability about it that is actually yeah. really interesting that you're like sure he's a handsome guy but handsome guys on tv are a dime a dozen but he's got a very sweet vulnerability mm-hmm. yeah yeah he so when they allow when they get over the uh, slow motion and they allow him to actually be a, a character and a person yeah he does a good job yeah there's really more does. to him than than just the pretty face but uh but him and mouse have some time together in this episode which i thought was fun they're a fun duo yeah it's nice in on shows when some of the supporting players who don't get to spend that much time together get get an arc together yeah I, and you're like oh this is an interesting duo yeah. that yeah I, I enjoy that quite a lot especially when you have a really strong ensemble yeah it's kind of like in and just like that when you had the the little time when Steve and Carrie were together like that's a that's a duo yeah. that you don't see that often together in the show and so it's fun to see their chemistry and them yeah. and them interacting uh, and so i always i always like that in shows and they decide to go to manhattan and try to find carrie and help carrie yeah which is a fun little adventure they're going on yeah. and yeah. he's admitted like hey yes i like her yes yeah, he finally admits to the girls that he likes Carrie. And yeah. they get real excited. It was cute. It was yeah. Really cute. And uh, and then he's trying to make this grand gesture for Carrie. What do you what do you think about grand gestures? Um if Alex so- was if Alex was Alex was gonna stand in your uh on your stoop <laughs> with a uh boombox. What would you think? love a boombox? <laughs> I think grand gestures are great if there's substance behind them. Uh-huh. You know, so I think if it's just a grand gesture that kind of goes nowhere. But I think in this instance, like he knows that something Carrie wants and he's like, I've messed up. I can provide that. I think it's really sweet. Do you love a grand gesture? Or do you like more small, sweet things? I haven't, I mean, I haven't really had any experience with them myself, but in theory, what if I show shows, up here? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I would love that. Feel free. <laughs> if anybody's listening and wants to make a grand gesture to me, I'm open. <laughs> I'm open to it. <laughs> but I also, as we know, I'll have a meal with anybody. So if you just want to take <laughs> me to dinner, that's fine too. Yeah, I mean, I I think yeah, you're right. I I agree that it it has to have some substance behind it. And there is something about the uh, on how I met your mother. They called it the Dobbler uh, versus um, Dahmer. Yes. Whereas, like, if if somebody that you like does something like that, it's 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 romantic and charming. If if you don't like them, then it's like creepy and, and weird. Uh, and that is true. That's a thing. Yeah, that is true. And I guess you have to be able to try and read the room. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but Sebastian's car is getting towed and they all, and they just all end up at this club. This club was just a mess. 
Wow. Yeah. (laughs) There was a lot happening at the club. Bill Hader does this really funny character on SNL. He's like, this club has everything. And that's what it reminded me of. It was like, everything is happening at this club. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And uh, so, yeah, he gets his car towed and, uh, and then, and that, I think that's, um, he, I, we don't get the, I don't think we get the grand gesture until the next episode. He's still working on it. So still trying. Yeah. (laughs) And then the end of the episode is, is her saying, you can't stop me from wanting it. And, uh, and then we find out that Donis had a crush on Walt and that he's now her new boyfriend for the moment, at least. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What would you give this episode one to 10? I mean, I thought this one was actually really fun and action packed. And, and, um, I love when Carrie's having adventures in the city. So I'm actually going to give it an 8.5. I really like this one. Yeah. Yeah, I I will also give it a, a an eight point five. I thought it was it was a it was a pretty good episode for like all the characters, not just Carrie. Yeah. yeah, we'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarky in your life? What about getting that T-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Walmart Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Episode nine is called The Great Unknown. And this one is when Dorit goes missing under Carrie's watch, Carrie lashes out at Sebastian, the one person who can help her find her sister. Yeah. So overall, what do you think of this episode? Um, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to my friend Janine Bartell. She's the hot uh, instructor that gets with no Carrie. No way. <laughs> I remember when ages ago, like her posting about it, not ages ago, but whenever this show was filmed, it was a long time ago. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Janine. So she's really cute and fun in this episode. So I was really excited to see her. Um, I really thought that this episode I love when Carrie and Dora get to interact and we get to see their vulnerabilities and get to get a little bit more into the family dynamic. And something I also enjoyed about this episode that I was curious, Rachel, what you thought is that we get to see how Carrie, the beginnings of her developing some really unhealthy behavior patterns and relationships where she's just trying to mess things up. She's trying to mess up a good thing, but her as a teenager, we have empathy for that. And I have less empathy for that when Carrie's an adult. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can see her sort of unhealthy tendencies starting, but you also see the beginnings of her writing. I think almost the most in this episode, Yes, Yes. which Which is really fun to see. And we find out they now have a couple name, Kidshaw. (laughs) 
Oh, all of that was so cute, Rachel. And, and, and like Sebastian's excited about it. He's giving her his jacket. It's so cute. Yeah. 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 It's fun to see Sebastian in love, I guess, for like a better word. <laughs> it really is. Cause before yeah. it was very much like driven by teenage hormones. I mean, it's yeah. still it, but teenage hormones and like, he seemed too cool for school. And now it's just like, they're really good buds. Yeah. And, and you see him trying to figure out Carrie, like <laughs> and being frustrated, like when she just starts crying and he's like, what is wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> She's just like, I'm so happy. <laughs> I love that you pointed that out because before when he didn't get Carrie, he reacted by pushing her away. Like, oh, you're too complicated. There's too much going on in your head. But now he's really trying to figure her out. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we also have introduction of a new character named Wes. Uh, and he is uh, the uh, challenging mouse for valedictorian status. And uh, he is great with those Rubik's cubes, super fast. This little banter that's going on between these two is so gosh darn charming. Like he's so cool, but he's so smart nice guy I mean and I love the way he gets under mouse's skin this is the type of guy that I want to see her have a romance with if she has a romance if not this kind of rivalry is just fun yeah yeah I I enjoyed it I oh, what's that I forgot to write down the actor's name because he is very charming uh let's see if I can find it uh, RJ Brown is his name he was good. I liked him. He's a cutie. He's yeah. a cutie. Mm -hmm. Let's see if he's doing anything. We always love looking and seeing these yeah. working actors, what they're doing. Let's see here. Usually they, they're working, which is awesome. Yeah. He's on, um, he was on 13 reasons why. Oh yeah. It was good. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. So he, he looks like he's keeping busy, uh, as a working actor. So yeah, he is, he was, he was very good, very charming. And, uh, I, you know, it's always nice when you get a little diversity, especially in a show like this. For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's a great character that he's not just a good looking dumb jock that we see a lot of times in these types of teenage shows. It's like, no, he's a good looking jock. <laughs> the smartest kid in the class and mouth is just going nuts. Yeah, and I really thought it was funny when he's like, so Wes, he's say he's like, I'm a single mother household, black and an athlete. What do you and then and uh and Mouse is like he, he says I'm a college admissions unicorn. And then he says, What are you, a non-athlete Asian math genius with two parents? That was good. That was so funny. And then Mouse is like holding the golf clubs at the end, like, I gotta learn a sport. <laughs> Oh, too good. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is I don't think hardly any of that actually matters. I mean, even you're trying to get into Harvard, you think, I think that, that the test scores is way more impactful than, than all this stuff. And especially once you actually get in all of that stuff, like means nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, and, and maybe not as much in the, in 80, in 84, but Harvard wants like a, a wants a diverse student body. Um, so I think that they probably would be 
equally excited for a uh, for a non-athlete Asian math genius with two parents. Well, it was an interesting thing that yes, only one person can be valedictorian. Yeah. Um, unless you're like completely tied to your GPA, but like it's not like both of them can't get into Princeton or Harvard. Like both of them could get in. Yeah. And actually probably would get in they're they're both very very smart yeah I think I I think so but uh but it, obviously they're kind of building this up I think we're good yeah. there's going to be a relationship of some kind and so that's fun when mouse is like stretching and she's in her workout gear before <laughs> doing the Rubik's cube and then she's dancing and showing off and he's like honestly that was a half hour ago like only you care it, it was really yeah. funny yeah I I have have one time successfully solved a Rubik's cube. I was I never so have. I was so excited, so proud. One How time, long did it take you? I got very lucky this one time, and uh, <laughs> I was able to do it. Uh, it I don't know if it took me an hour, thirty minutes, something like that. But uh, but I did That's solve amazing. it one time. Yeah, uh, but but most of the time I just don't have the patience for it. <laughs> Well, because it's always just like one little thing. I used to babysit a kid who did it a lot or worked on it a lot. But yeah, it's it was- like popular with kids these uh, days. Yeah, it is. Yeah, my when I visited my friend Adrian in uh, New York, her son is like huge into it. Really? And he's, yeah. he's good at it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, really good at it. They like, she homeschools her kids. They're so smart. Wow. So smart. <laughs> Does she want to homeschool me? Yeah, for real. <laughs> amazing. Uh, and so we also get more with Walt and Donna, and they they uh, they're uh, they're pretty you know into each other. They're excited when it starts, uh, but he can't go all the way with Donna, and she starts to ask questions. And she says, are you even interested in girls? Because evidently her brother is gay. Yeah, this is when I started to be like, oh, Donna's got some depth and she's actually not just a heinous human being. Mm-hmm. Um, she's had that little cocky attitude, but she's like, no, it's okay. Like if you weren't interested in me, everyone's interested in me. So like, I figured it must be something like that. But when she says, I'm not going to tell anyone, my older brother's gay and I'm the only one who knows and my heart was just like oh okay she she's not completely evil and I believe that she will keep this secret in fact she lets another secret out yeah I was gonna say she even does kind of the reverse like she actually starts spreading a a, I guess positive rumor about Walt yeah I thought that that I don't know what I mean honestly I'm I'm just very emotional right now because when I get PMS I'm like very emotional but I'm like that's actually the sweetest rumor I was like Donna yes everyone and then that's why you broke up with him is that he was a big boy and it's just yeah. like oh you're actually a sweet person and I believe she won't even tell her friends like she is going to be guarded by this yeah yeah, and so then we also have uh, we have Dorit leaving. Uh, she she goes to a room and then she leaves out the window, uh, and she goes to the Chelsea Hotel where Sid and Nancy uh, died, were murdered, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. And uh, and so then they go to try. She Carrie 
uh, goes with Sebastian to try to find Dorrit at the Chelsea Hotel. Yeah, I did. I live a couple blocks from the Chelsea Hotel. I pass it all the time and I did not know the history. And then after I saw this episode, I was reading more about it. So I want to check more about it. I want to check out more stuff about it. But it was interesting that Sebastian was so invested in helping Carrie and Carrie was like, no, I need to do this on my own. Everything gets messed up when you come around. But then, you know, ultimately he ends up finding door at first. Yeah. And then Dort says, Sebastian's way, it's way cooler than expected for a pretty boy. Which was nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the sweet conversation that Dort and Carrie have where it's like Dort, they're actually dealing with their mom's death in two very different ways. Carrie's like, I can't mess up. I have to do everything right. I'm scared. I'm scared of things. And Dort's like, live. Yeah. And then we also have the dad flirting with this aerobics instructor who I didn't know was your friend. So that's exciting. Go Janine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he's starting to kind of get back into the swing of things after grieving for so long, which is fun. Yeah. And it's fun. Get, it's also funny because, uh, I mean, actors, that's what we do, but like Janine is Janine's played a variety of roles, but like, I've never seen her in something so seductive like this. Like we, uh, we taught at the same acting studio <laughs> and like, she, I, I just don't, I, I've yeah, never yeah. seen her be all like vampy like this. Yeah. She so was good. She, she really did a good, good job. Yeah. <laughs> and so then the dad, I forget who it is who says this to the dad, but he says, your job is to let her be whoever she wants to be. For oh, Larissa, I think says Was it. it. Larissa? Okay. Yeah. And I mean, then Larissa says, uh, says she's a hell of a writer and, uh, and yeah, this is your moment. What kind of father do you want to be? I do think there was some pretty profound stuff in here about even just what parenting is philosophically, like, yes, keeping our kids safe and everything like that, but also, yeah, like letting them be who they want to be and make mistakes also. Like, I think that there's a lot in there. Yeah. I mean, there's always sort of the debate of, of uh, nature versus nurture, like how much does our environment create us versus who we just innately are. And, and it's something I wonder about because like my brother and I are like night and day, we're so, so different. And we had basically the same upbringing, but uh, we, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I do think that if I were to be a parent, I do think there's something to the fact of that you just kind of have to let them be who they are supposed to be and enjoy the ride. Like, obviously you need to parent them and help them to learn, but, but, uh, but I think the idea that you're sort of crafting them out of play, I don't think that's, that's true. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the dad is learning. I don't even know the dad's name. I just call him dad, but I just call him dad too. He's learning. (laughs) And, and so, and then we have, uh, Dorit saying you can't stop living you have to keep going and uh and we have Walt saying I don't know what I am just so he's sort of questioning trying to figure it out which is yeah and it it's nice that now hopefully he'll have the space to do that without feeling like he has to be with anyone Mm -hmm. yeah 
And, uh, and then uh, we have this conversation between Carrie and Sebastian where they both say they're terrified and just says, there's no guarantees, but I don't care. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they do have really good chemistry. I want to see these two together in something now. They have. Been yeah, so I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. I, I would love to see them do like a little rom-com or whatever. Yeah. Like he did Elvis. Now we need to kind of uh, give him a break and have him do a. <laughs> yes. Come on, Hollywood. Give, yeah. give the people what they want. <laughs> and uh, so then the dad decides, changes his mind about interview. And uh, he tells Carrie. Uh, and uh, so that's going to be fun to see. And, uh, and then we have Donna starting the uh, positive rumor about Walt. <laughs> so this was, I thought this was a good episode. This was, was well great. done. Yeah. What would, so what would you give it one to 10? Oh, I loved it. I would give this like an 8.5 or a nine. I just thought this mm-hmm. was a delightful, fun episode with a lot of humor and a lot of heart. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, for pretty much every character, like yeah. Maggie gets something to do. Cause she's, she stressed out about watching walt and uh donna we get yeah. some we get yeah donna we get mouse and uh and wes they have their uh they have their rubik's cube uh off the cube off yeah which is fun and uh, so i agree i think that this was a uh may one of the strongest episodes so far of the nine that we've done so for sure uh, yeah so let us know if you're watching the show if you've seen the show what you think uh, of these two episodes we'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments and Jax where can people find you Jacqueline C tweets on Twitter and Jacqueline Collier on Instagram great and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all of our social media iTunes YouTube and on Rotten Tomatoes and you can find us at City Girls Pod on Twitter where we try to post every now and then about all things uh, sex and city and you follow us at Homework's Pod and Homework's Podcast all of our social media And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That really helps us a lot. And if you're watching YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have the patron group, which is a lot of fun. We're having our patron watch along this week with Greta and Madison from Meeting Mr. Christmas. So it's going to be super fun. So check that out. And we also have the merch store. We can get City Girls Pod merch and lots of other fun stuff. And so hope everybody has a really great Valentine's and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye everyone.